So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Oh, so you are doing what your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I do honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. David Amanda, thanks very much for reading. Uh, really excellent. Most of you know, I arrived in the UK with my wife Matilda about four years ago. And there's been something that I really appreciate, appreciated about this country, uh, the people. Uh, the people are very nice, respectful, polite, and gracious. 
However, I also noticed something that's really funny. Um, whenever the name Jesus is mentioned, uh, people get really squirmish and they want to change the subject. And so there's the question, why do even the nice people reject Jesus? Uh, you perhaps may have similar experience with me, uh, friends, neighbors, colleagues who are really decent people. Yet when it comes to the topic of Jesus, the subject changes immediately. Is there something wrong with Jesus or something wrong with people? But over the past few weeks, we have been analyzing this concept of unbelief. Chapter 7, we look at, looked at the experts and the unbelief, and we saw that their unbelief was irrational. Last week, Hitton uh, really did a really good job explaining the Jews and their unbelief, and the punchline of last week was they are of this world. But here is something very scary about today's passage. I look down to chapter 3, sorry, um, verse 31. So the Jews said to Jesus, sorry, the, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. See, the people who Jesus is speaking to today are Christians, or if you like, believers, are people who are much closer to home. Uh, they are those who are essentially good, decent. Uh, they call their religion Christianity. They would go to church each Sunday, maybe even a lunchtime talk. I look at verse 59. They picked up stones to kill him. At the very end of the story, they want nothing to do with Jesus. See, these Christians, they want nothing to do with Christ. So that is the question, why? Why do these decent, nice people who say that they believe in Jesus, end up rejecting him. Well, John has been arguing his case with a trial scene all the way from chapter 7, and it ends here in chapter 8. It's a back and forth. You have a witness, judge, testimony. And I was thinking, how do you craft um, today's talk as I was preparing for this passage? Usually I have two or three points to make uh, the sermon. But today I've thrown the rule book out. We've got seven points on our handout today. Uh, because the seven points, they capture the, the conversation between Jesus and the Jews. Seven statements and seven responses. So I want you to imagine your favorite trial scene. And maybe it's the Old Bailey, or a scene from your favorite Korean drama, or the scene from A Few Good Men. Uh, you have Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise, uh, the famous scene. You want answers? I want the truth. You can handle the truth, says Jack Nicholson. It's a captivating scene. And so part of my research uh, this week, I was spending my time on YouTube uh, watching that clip. So channel uh, the, the inner trial scene, your favorite trial scene. And this is what's happening in our passage today. Not Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise, but Jesus and God's historic people, the Jews. And we are in the stands. We are the audience. Seven statements, seven responses. Are you ready? And so the first point that Jesus says is this statement number one. My word sets you free. Look down to verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you notice what Jesus says? This is the defining feature of a true disciple. It's one who abides in his words. It's not about seeing signs or miracles. The crowds, they saw signs and miracles. It's not about a warm and fuzzy feeling. It's all about abiding, sticking to Jesus' words. Well, will these Christians, will they abide? Well, the short answer is no. Look down to verse 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? wonder whether you picked up the irony there. Um, Israel has been enslaved to Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, and even now in the gospel to the Romans. And they have definitely been enslaved before. But Jesus, he doesn't call out their ignorance, but he cuts even deeper. And he says his second statement, all who sin are slaves to sin. Look to verse 34. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Do you notice the point that Jesus is making is really profound? It's not whether your ancestors had a history of being enslaved. It's anyone who has, been, who has sinned before are slaves. And if we are honest, I think it makes a lot of sense. All of us have no control over our sin. Here's a really silly illustration. Imagine I, I really love ice cream. Like I really crave for it, and I must have one every day. How do you stop me from eating ice cream? You can shut all the stores down in London that sells ice cream. You could lock me in prison, but you won't stop the urges, the cravings for ice cream. And in the same way, we are slaves to our desires. That is the problem. We can't control our desires. We can't turn off the tap on envy or pride. When you're angry, you're just angry. When you're lustful, you are just lustful. We can't control those desires. We are slaves to them. All who sin are slaves to sin. See, these Christians are slaves, and they are not really part of Abraham's family. Well, do they abide in his words? Again, the answer is, is no. Look at verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus, he refutes them. They cannot be Abraham, part of Abraham's family because his third statement is this. You are doing the works of your father. Look at verse 39 again. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing what your father did. The point that Jesus is making is very simple. They are doing the works of another father, not Abraham. They don't behave like him. Abraham, he listened to the truth. When Melchizedek told him about truth, he listened. But the Jews, they seek 
to kill the truth speaker. And the way the Jews respond next is very shocking. Forgive the language, but they call Jesus a bastard. Look down to verse 41. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Do you see what they're saying? They're insinuating that Jesus is an illegitimate child. Mary was pregnant before marriage. He was born out of sexual immorality. And they say, God is our own father. Well, it's a shocking response. These Christians, rather than abiding, they go on the offensive. They call Jesus a bastard, and they say God is their own father. And so this is the courtroom scene. We are in the stands, but we see the back and forth between Jesus and the Jews, both claiming God as their father. How will you decide who is right? And here Jesus, he states his main accusation. You are of your father, the devil. Look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what you're thinking right now. Uh, is Jesus being quite harsh on these people? Is it true? Are the Jews or is the world children of the devil? But why does Jesus think so? I look down to verse 44 again. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do the, your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Do you notice there are two family characteristics of those of the devil's family? Uh, firstly, he kills, he murders, that's verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. And secondly, he lies. There's no truth in him. He speaks out of his own character. He's the father of lies. And it makes sense. Uh, he was a murderer from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, the devil, the serpent, lied to Adam and Eve. As a result, he killed them. He's all about killing and lying. But it's not just the devil. It's also his children, those who bear the family likeness. Um, I have the great joy of having my in-laws stay with me um, for the next couple of weeks. I'm coming all the way from Singapore. And my wife and I have really been amused about uh, over the past few days about how similar she is to her parents. Uh, just the other day, she said to her dad, gosh, I'm so much like mom. Well, whether good or bad, uh, children, they bear the family likeness. In chapter 5, Jesus, he bore the likeness of his father. He did what his father did. There are two things that God does. He gives life and he judges. And in chapter 5, 
Jesus. He gives life and he judges. But here in chapter 8, these Christians or the Jews, they do what their father does. Two things. He kills and they lie. And so they are children of the devil. But it's worth being clear here. Uh, lying and killing is not referring to white lies, not refer uh, referring to a general killer, for example, the person who murdered Sarah Evergard. It's specifically referring to Jesus. It's telling lies about him, his character, his divinity. It is murdering him, shutting him up when he speaks. They are of their father, the devil. They hate Jesus. Again, we are back in the courtroom, and you hear those words ringing out. You are of your father, the devil. It's a shocking moment for being God's historic people. The Jews are sons and daughters of Satan. Well, maybe our polite sensibilities are kicking in at this point of time, and we say, oh, Jesus, you can't be that offensive. Is that really true? Are these Christians, so-called, really of the devil? And that's where Jesus makes his fifth statement. You lie and slander like your father. Look at verse 48. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Do you notice the Jews? They are accusing him. They are telling lies. Previously, they thought that he was the Christ a prophet. Now, when they hear his words, they call him a demon. They lie and they slander him. Again, in verse 55, Jesus says, if I were to say that I do not know God, him, I would be a liar like you. And so they display the first attribute of their father. They lie and they slander. In response, what does Jesus do? He ups the stakes. Look at verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. See here, Jesus saying, not just will you be free if you abide in his words, but you will also never see death. And this is the last chance saloon for the Jews, where they abide in his words and escape judgment. Verse 52, the Jews say to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? They call him a demon, and they challenge him whether he can beat death, and they pressure him. Who do you make yourself out to be? In response, Jesus, he doesn't fall into that trap, and he says his sixth statement, I'm not a liar like you. Verse 55, but, I have, I have, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep 
his words. See the point? Jesus must continue to say that he knows God. Otherwise, he would be a liar. And as the Jews reject him, Jesus makes his final and seventh statement. Look at verse 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus is saying that he is, I am Yahweh, the God of the Exodus. I am God himself. And for that, the Jews, they pick up stones to kill him. They prove to be, they prove themselves to be of their father. They lie and they kill. See, they bear the family likeness. So back to the question that we asked at the start. Why do people reject Jesus? Well, the answer is they were of their father, the devil. They have the family likeness. They tell lies and they kill him. Shocking. These believers, so-called Christians, they turned out to be children of the devil. But John's point is not that these, only these Jews um, but that these Jews are representative of the world. See, lying and killing is not white lies and stabbing anyone on the street. It's all about one's attitude to Jesus. When he speaks, do you wish to shut him up? It's essentially like killing or silencing him. When he exposes your darkness, do you lie about him, twisting him into merely a moral teacher a wise man, but not God himself, essentially telling lies about him. And that is the world. And that is why the world rejects him. Nice, polite, decent on the surface. But when it comes to Jesus, they squirm. They hate him. Enough of that Jesus. We don't like what he says. See, the world bears the family likeness of the devil. Your boss, your colleague, that new intern, that neighbor, that friend. And certainly all of us at one point, you and me, all children of the devil. When we came to this world, our birth certificate said, son of Satan, daughter of the devil. And that is why when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus in chapter 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, those who have not been born again, they remain part of their original family with the devil as their daddy. Why do people reject Jesus? Because they are of their father, the devil. Well, we are back in the courtroom. What is the verdict of rejection? The answer is guilty and judgment will follow. Verse 59, when Jesus hid from them, he went out of the temple. Like Ezekiel, where God's glory leaves the temple in judgment. Jesus, the one true God, 
the I am, he leaves the temple in judgment. And of course, judgment is the punchline. It's a trial, it's a courtroom, and there's a verdict, and the verdict is guilty. See, the world's rejection of Jesus will end in judgment. Well, there's lots to chew on for this lunchtime, but two quick implications for us. Firstly, a challenge. See, these Jews, they were believers, and I think that brings the application a bit closer to us. Do we reject Jesus' words? When we feel uncomfortable, do we diminish him? And my prayer is that none of us find ourselves acting out the family likeness of the devil. But also, confidence. Uh, This series is titled The Anatomy of Unbelief. We've been digging into the explanation about why the world rejects Jesus. And this explains the cultural Christianity in this country. There's niceness, decentness, respectability on the surface. But if you go under the surface, it's a hatred of Jesus. And the the diagnostic is that people are children of the devil. Well, that is a really somber note uh, to end. And you might ask, is judgment the last word? Well, on the backdrop of judgment, uh, there's a ray of light that shines through, a miracle of sight. I go to chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 7, he said to the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There's hope. It takes a miracle. But for that, you need to come back next week. Why don't I pray for our time? Father, praise you for the Lord Jesus. And we thank you that he had the boldness and the courage to speak the truth into this world. Think about since the fall of the world being trapped under the domain of darkness, under Satan himself. And so we pray, Father, that we might be those who put our trust in Jesus, who stick to his words, who abide in his words, and so prove to be part of your family. We praise you for him, that because believing in him, one may be born again and can call you father. And so we praise you for him. In Jesus' name, amen.